overcome the small things, we can overcome the big things. Amen. 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 In the name of Jesus. God honors praise. Always will. God bless you tonight. You can be seen. God is good. Always, always good. Come on, brothers. It's missions night. Missions offering night. I don't know how many of you read the uh, reports out here hanging on the bulletin board. We receive those uh, once a month uh, about some goings on out in the outer parts of the world where there's a lot of persecution taking place. Uh, and uh, some of it, you know, you can consider, well, man, that's heartbreaking. But it's the truth, and you need to look and see. Because when you see what's going on by reading that, what's going on where people cannot even gather and worship yeah. because they're going to come in and shoot them all dead or, or cut their head. I'm serious. Cut their heads off, destroy them, hack Listen to me. Hack them to pieces. Uh -huh. And they still hold out and they still refuse to turn. They honor Christ to death. Mm -hmm. Amen. And that's what in the world is a matter of the, with the Church of America that came in and praise God. Amen. Come on. Can't even worship. My goodness. Read that when you get a chance. Read it. I'm going to touch something. Let us go right ahead. Oh, Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight. God, displays and glorifying you, Lord, your God, for everything that you do, Lord. And we just ask you, Lord, to bless, Lord, your God, those that work for you, Lord, your God. And, and Lord, to go out into the world, Lord, your God, in harm's way, Lord. Lord, and, and, and take the word, take your words to these people, Lord, all over the world. Lord, we just ask you to reach out and touch. We ask you to meet every need in their life, God. Keep your hand upon them, keep them safe. Lord, we ask you to meet them, meet the spiritual need, Lord, dear God. Uh, Lord, every need that they have, Lord, dear God, and, and bless their ministry, Lord, dear God, and bless those they minister to, Lord. And God, we just ask you, Lord, to bless this offering tonight, Lord. God, that you would just multiply it, make it. Lord, serve for your glory. To, and we just praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. How's Rock Harper doing tonight? You are alive and you are breathing. Amen. You got a purpose. God's got a purpose for your life. You know, we uh you know you go through a, a week, Wednesday night. Supposed, you know, it's kind of like that mid that midpoint. We kind of we come in and we worship, and a lot of times when you come in, especially on Wednesday, because Wednesday, you've got it's just like right smack dab in the middle, just hours off of work and hours before you return. And there's always on Wednesday night. Sometimes it's hard to focus. Sometimes you got a lot of stuff going on inside your head. You know, before I come here, I had a lot of stuff going on in my head and a lot of just thoughts, and and I'm and I felt distracted. I felt like these things were just, you know, like oh, man. It's, it's going to be really hard to go in and, and focus on what I need to focus on. But, you know, if you don't take charge of your own mind and say, you know what, regardless of where my thoughts are at, regardless of how I feel, I'm going to go in and I'm going to worship the Lord today. I'm going to go in and I'm going to give God everything I've got. And you know what? That's all God ever asks of us is that we just give him our best. That's if, if, if you could ask yourself that question and challenge yourself. Did I give God my best tonight? Did I give him my best? I'd give everything I could to honor and to worship him. Because if you did, then that's pleasing to him. But if we've held back or we've hid ourselves 
or we just simply don't want to mess with it, then I think that's something we've got to examine ourselves for. Because I'm here to please the Lord. I'm not here to please you. Amen. If you're pleased in the process, well, then that's good. But I'm here to please him. Amen. And I hope that you've come here for the same reason. I want to dismiss the kids tonight. You guys have a good time. Well, it's good to be back in God's house again. Amen. We, uh, you know, we have to navigate through things sometimes. And I had to navigate through some back issues and, and get that stuff ironed out and, and um, got that taken care of and uh, sinus infections and, and stomach bugs and just all that good stuff. You know, we navigate. You just navigate through that stuff. Um, it's, it's so easy, and I think a lot of it has to do with just the way that we, the way that we live naturally. It's so easy to pout. <laughs> it's easy to pout. I, man, I'm, I'm telling you, you know, and we can all act like we, we don't do it, but I think everybody pouts at one time or another. And you don't even, you know, sometimes it takes your spouse to call you out. Say you knew you need to quit your pouting. You're just doing another pout. It's so offensive when they say it, you know. But it's so true, you know. You know, okay, yeah. You know what I'm throwing? I'm kind of throwing my own fit. And you know, we go through things sometimes when we throw, you know, we pout, we throw a fit. And as I said before, and I'll say this, you know, now that we're we're in this group, we you you do, you know, you pray about things. And I'm saying this to this congregation. I'm saying it to everybody that's watching at home. We go through things. And we feel certain ways about things and, and we're upset or, or we don't feel like our life is going right or we feel like we've prayed and, and our prayers aren't being answered. You know, there's, there are times in our life that when you come to that place, you simply have to put all of that aside and just simply keep going for God. You have to do that. It's, and, and I think sometimes we get too much into ourselves, and it's like we're asking God to give us a good excuse. Give me an excuse, God, why I should keep going. But see, we, we, he does not need to give us anything other than what he's already given. We simply have to recognize that he's the one that we're serving. And when we come to him, when we bring him our living sacrifice, which is us, you know, you, you don't always feel good and your life isn't always going right. And, and things aren't, maybe you don't have a lot of money and, and the debts are high and, uh, and, and the money's low or whatever the, the situation is. Uh, maybe the health's not real good, or, or whatever the, whatever it is that we're going through, we have to set it aside and say, I'm coming here to love you and to worship you. And that's just not what we do in, in, in our approach for the service. That's what we do in our approach every day. And I think that that um, me as an individual, I think uh, I've been called out many times by the Lord. He's come to me, and, and, he, and he's posed some, some, some hard questions for me and really, really broke me. And maybe understand, you know, when I was wanting to, to have an excuse not to keep going forward. And, and I said, but I've got so many things that are going on that just weigh me down. I can't go to church. And I can't do this and I can't do that. And he said, well, if I fix them all, if I were to fix them all. And this is the way he presented this in my heart. If, if I were to fix all of those and just take it all away, you would go to church. And I said, yes, it would just be so much easier. It would be so much better to do. He said, you see, that's how faith works. It's faith works, and I don't feel it, and I don't see it, but I'm going to continue to do it anyway. And so we have to understand that our life is a walk of faith. And if our life is a walk of faith, then most of the time, you don't get to see it. Most of the time, it is a struggle. Most of the time, there is something against you 
pressing against you and fighting you most of the time. And so the, I think the quicker that we finally understand that and get that, that these, these things are not uncommon to believers. To be in a war and to be in an unusual situation and to be in a place where we're uncomfortable. Thank God we're uncomfortable. I hope that we stay that way. We don't need to get comfortable. It's good to take a break. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's not good to get comfortable. So I'm going to go to the book of Luke tonight. I'm going to talk to you guys about something that, that, that we've talked about often. And Christians, let's just use Christianity talks about this often. I want, to, I want to share some scriptures with you tonight. How many of us, if I were to ask this question, this is a rhetorical question. I don't necessarily mean for you to answer it because I know what the answer is. But if I ask you tonight, I say, how many of you want to go further with God or get closer to God? The obvious decision, unanimously, because we're obviously in a church setting, is going to be me. Amen. We want to get closer to God. I want to give you some scriptures that actually set um, some parameters and set a precedence as to how you approach this uh, idea of wanting to go further with God and maybe even answer some questions as to why we haven't gotten to where we would like to be with God. Because that's a question. I mean, it's, it's one thing to say, I want to be closer to you, but then it's another thing completely to realize that you are putting the, putting the time in, so to speak, but then nothing seems to be coming out of it. And so there's some scriptures that actually cover that, that cover our walk with God, and cover a, uh, scenarios, these are things that Christ mentioned, that talk about our relationship with him and about the word, because we all know that the word, the word is the centralized part of our life, right? And, and I, I cannot express this enough. To simply say that it's a centralized... Well, let me, let me put it this way. And I think you'll get it better this way. To simply say that this is a centralized part of our, my life as an individual is not good enough. Because simply saying it's just an idea. But actually reading it and applying it makes it the center of my life. That's different. That's different, and you've got to be really careful to make sure that we don't fall into those lulls where the Bible is more of an idea, and it's more of memorization that I know that I learned back when I was 22 or 28 or 35, that I got saved, and I had a great experience with God, and I always knew know that the, the Bible is supposed to be the centerpiece of your life. And you may say that throughout your own life, but is it really the centerpiece? Because that's mental assent. It's just to tell you, yeah, I mean, I know. Because I go to church. I go to church and I know that the Bible is, is supposed to be the centerpiece of my life. But if you don't actually read it and you don't apply those things, then that's just an idea. That's just an idea. And, and ideas like that, I think, are dangerous because it gives, us, it gives Christians a false sense of security. It gives Christians a false sense of security that we're somehow secure because we have a great idea about God's word. Unless you put it into practice, church, it's not doing us any good. So to, to come up here and to say, well, this is, our, this is my centerpiece. This is what I base my life, life around. I'm going to be a hypocrite. 
if I'm not actually going home and reading and trying to make this with everything that's inside of me the very center of my life and listen to every word that it says, everything that God has in this word, that I apply it to my life, then I would be a hypocrite. And we're, we're now, you know, in, a, in an age uh, where not only are they, well, it's not, they're not just trying to take the word out. They don't even want you saying anything about it. You better not even mention that stuff now. You can't even talk about the word of God without meeting some sort of resistance. Now it's ideologies and people have all these ideas and opinions and all these things. And that's fine. You can have all those things that you want. But God's word is more than just an ideology. God's word is alive and it's true. And so Christians cannot have a varied opinion on God's word. If you're going to be a Christian, then God's word literally has to be everything to you. There's enough varied opinion to Christians out there that have taken the, how do I put it? It's, um, it softened something that was meant to be hard. We were meant to, Christians were meant to be tough and we're meant to be strong, warriors. But to take God's word and to opinionate it and to turn it into um, something that we, uh, we keep flipping over and over again and everybody gets to share their opinion and in the end of it, everybody gets to be right. No, that's not right. It's not the way that works. It's not the way it works. There's only one truth. And that's in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything is on that and based on that. And there is no varied opinion. There's no varied idea. And I think there'll be a lot of people that'll be disappointed one day because they had a high opinion about God's word and they had a high opinion about what they thought was true, but they never really latched on to the truth. So, we're in the book of Luke in chapter 8. Book of Luke, chapter 8, starting in verse 4. Going further with God. <clears throat> verse 4 says, And when much people were gathered together and were come to him out of every city, he spoke by a parable. A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it. And some fell upon rock. And as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns. And the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And the other fell on good ground, sprang up, and bare fruit a hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Good advice. Here, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, as far as the, the being closer to God, what I've noticed is that there's an interesting correlation in being and having a lifestyle with God that's directly connected to the maturation process of a Christian. It's directly connected. Now, maturing as a Christian is not something that happens in one service. It's not. It is great to have a good service in the Lord. But there are those that use the service as a, how do I put it? It's like a high. Come in, 
Wanna wanna see a, a great move of God, and that's fantastic if it's as long as we are authentic and in the spirit of the Lord. And people wanna they wanna get on this this spiritual high and they wanna come in and they wanna do all these different things and not really consider that what is actually being asked of us as far as great experiences with God is to simply mature and to get closer to Him. I love good service. I love a good service. There are those, though, that treat the service as a fix. I'll come in and get my fix. I'll come in and, and I want to I get my, my spiritual fix. I want to I get a dose, a dose of God. But not really considering that this is not based on a service. In fact, as, as far as speaking about services... Biblically, this is not a service. This is a lifestyle. This is every day. This is what I do mostly when I'm not here. Now, we come together collectively. Pastor and I have shared this often with each other. What we do at home in our prayer time, in our prayer closets, is what we bring into the service. It's what we bring. And it's, and it's good to come in here, and it's good to have a good time. But the maturation process, maturing in God, is going through things each and every day. It's experiencing ups and downs of life. It's getting hit and continuing to move forward. It's not giving up when everything is pressed against us. It's continuing to pray even though we don't feel like praying. That's maturing. It's a maturing process. Now... That maturation process happens not in a day and not in a week and not in a month, but it happens over years. Years of maintaining a healthy relationship with the Lord. Now, listen, we all make mistakes. We all go through times when we're down, but that's a part of the maturation process is going through some, going through experiences, going through ups and going through downs, going through times when we feel that we don't understand what God is doing. That's good. You need to go through those times. We need to experience those times. It matures us as we hold on. And we continue to seek and we continue to read his word. We continue to uh, exercise our faith. Right? We exercise our faith. And so he gives these situations as to how the word of God can be choked out, snuffed out out of an individual's life. And that this process is directly correlated to what you and I experience each and every day. Now, how many of you, now if I was to, if we were all to be honest, we talk about how we read our word. We know it's good to read the word every single day. Amen. We should be reading our word every single day, seeking God's face, looking to put that word inside of us. And as we do that, it begins to grow. It begins to do something within us. But the Bible specifically says here that there are ways that that may not come to pass. And we're going to cover some of those things as we go through it. But let's keep reading. And he said, in ending in uh, verse 8, he said, And he who has ears to hear, let him hear. And verse 9, And his disciples asked him, saying, What might this parable be? And he said, Unto you it is given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God, but to others in parables, that seeing they might not see, and hearing might not understand. Now, the parable is this. Here's the explanation. The seed is the word of God. Now, this is literal. We're not talking about met metaphor here. He said, literally, I'm, I'm telling you. 
The seed is the word. Now think about this and think about how this applies to our everyday life and the way that we receive God's word. The seed is the word of God. Those by the wayside are they that hear. Then comes the devil and takes away the word out of their hearts, lest they believe or should believe and be saved. He's talking about the unsaved in this particular scripture. As the word goes forth, because you've got you to consider there are a lot of different angles and a lot of different avenues and a lot of different purposes for the word of God as it goes forth, right? So the word of God goes forth, what, for correction? It's one thing. You know, to admonish in this particular circumstance, he's saying for salvation. So he said that as this word comes forth, it can be it can be taken away. It can be it can, the devil comes and he's going to take this thing away that they would not uh, be saved. In verse thirteen, it says, "They on the rock are they which, when they hear, receive the word with joy, and these have no root, which for a while believe, and in time of temptation." fall away now when you read verse 13 all of us have made mistakes before all of us have have, have done things that have separated us from God because we know what sin does what it separates you from God it in itself in its element in its nature separates you from God you as an individual cannot be close to God cannot have a further relationship with God if we knowledgeably, understandably, continue to sin. Can't do it. it, it how do I say it? It actually goes against the rules. <laughs> Lack of a better way of saying it. So, at, from, from a personal perspective, when I look at this scripture, and I'm thinking to myself, I want to grow with God. I want to get closer to him. But yet there is something that I continue to practice on the inside. Something that I deal with as an individual. Now, let me give you a, make a distinct difference here for everyone. There's a distinct difference between literally struggling with something and tripping and falling and consciously knowing it's wrong, but then again still choosing to go the other direction. It's different. It's completely different. And some, some may argue that. But see, I'm particular about God's word. And if God says, God says that it's my decision and my choice at some point in my life, I've got to start making right choices, right decisions. So it comes to me that sometimes the thing I've been praying for, you say, God, take this away from me. God, stop this from happening. God just says, you just need to choose not to do it. Choose it. Make it so. We often wait for deliverance to come in the form of a great service. Of a great move. And that's fantastic if it happens that way. But do, do we understand that deliverance can come at your bedside? Deliverance can come in decision making throughout your day. Chains can be broken by saying no to the bottle. By saying no to the fix. By saying no. Say no. I'm not going to do that. No, I choose not to. No, I, cho I choose not to engage in an abusive relationship. I choose not to. Choice. Making a decision. A godly decision. And we pray often. 
We look for God to come in and deliver us in a miraculous way. And God is fully capable. He's fully able. I'm witness to that. God is fully capable and fully able to deliver us in, in very miraculous ways. But I assure you, church, that as far as the miraculous goes, a lot of that never takes place in a building. It takes place in one individual's life. It takes place in the life. And so we, we've, got to, we've got to be ready and willing to make the right decisions regardless of how, how we're challenged and how hard that is. And so, and so he said, while, uh, for a while they believe, and in time of temptation, they fall away. And that, that should strike a chord within each one of us. If that's, if that's where we're at, then we need to, we need to reevaluate. And verse 14 says, And that which fell among thorns are they which when they have heard go forth and are choked. Now think about this. This is, this is the word going forth. I, I, I personally identified with verse 14 more than any of the other ones. I identified because in verse 14 I find the battle. I, find the, I see the warfare right here and I want, I want to explain this to you. It said, you've heard the word, you go forth and that word that you've received, that you've taken in, it's choked. It's choked out with what? If, you, if, somebody's, if somebody was to come and tell you, say, your word, the word that you have taken on, the word that you took in Sunday morning, the word that you took in Wednesday night, it's going to be choked out. The first question I would have is, by what? What? Who? What's going to choke out the word? He explains right here. Now, we're going to read slowly, and I want to explain these to you because this is real-life stuff that the word is saying right here. He said, it's choked with cares. And I got curious. I wanted to know, does that mean what I think it means? I said, sounds pretty simple. Well, what cares means here is that it's the obvious affection for someone or something, but that someone or something has become a distraction. That's what that means in the Greek. It means that someone or something that you have a high care level about has caused a distraction. And now you're distracted by cares. Not just miscellaneous. And you guys gotta, gotta understand this. We're not talking about miscellaneous. When we talk about cares, we're literally talking about things that we have given our hearts to. We've given our hearts out. We've given our hearts over here. We've given our hearts over here. And he said, he said, the word is literally being choked out inside of you because you have these particular types of cares. This, this care for this something or someone, but it has caused something to happen to you, and it's caused a distraction. Now think about that. He never said it was a bad thing to care, but he said if the cares weigh so much upon you that they become a distraction from what you know you're supposed to be doing, then that's detrimental. And he said, actually, what happens here, if you may, and you know, we just kind of backtrack, it causes a choking effect. A choking effect. Cares cause a choking effect on God's word. So now let's take this and let's insert it into the maturity process. I want to mature with God. I want to get closer to God. How are you handling your cares? Are we caring for God first? Are we distracted by something else? Do our cares carry us away from God? Or do they carry us to God? 
Think about this. Because these are very self-explanatory as to, to what can stunt the growth of a Christian. What can stop us? What as we come in, we come in and say, you may say, I come in every Sunday. Or you may even say, well, I, don't, I, I, I read the word seven days a week. That's good. But if it keeps getting choked out, if it keeps getting stripped away from you because of no root, then we have to think about where we're actually at with God. And maybe we need to say, well, hold on a second here. Hold on. And God's plan is, was never for you as a Christian to be in the same spot for 10 years. That was never God's plan. I'm, and when I say same spot, I'm talking about maturity. I'm talking about inside of you. I'm talking about spiritual growth. His plan was never for you to be in the same exact spot for 10 years. His plan is always for the perfection of fruit. As you bear fruit as an individual, his plan is always for that fruit to mature and to come of age and to where your, your tree, so to speak, could be picked off of by others and they can eat of the fruit that you bear. That's God's will. That's his desire for his people. But he said, you need to pay attention to something, though, because this right here can stop the whole thing. What's, what could, and, this, um, and I'm theorizing here, it can be very dangerous for a Christian to have fallen into a place where we're so used to the cares of life choking out the word that we don't even realize it's happening anymore. Come on. That we've got into a, a place where we open the Bible and we read a little bit and we put our time in and we close it and we go to church and we listen and we go home and we just kind of follow emotion. And not realizing the whole time that the cares of life have outweighed our heart and our care for God. It weighs heavier. Therefore, a lot of the word that we're getting is of no effect. It's of no effect. It gets choked out. That's what the word says. It says choked. Choked by what? And you notice that the choked actually applies to all of these things. It's not just one thing that chokes it. It's multiple things. So, cares. That's your, that's your misplaced affection. It says choked with cares and riches. And I said, I know what I know what riches is. Well, I want to make sure. So I go and I look, and that literally means your money and possessions. Literally. In the Greek it means money, possessions. And you say, Well, Tanner, I don't have a lot of money. I don't think that's what's being applied. This is the, the implication is not. Your financial status. The implication is not how much you have in your bank account. The implication is the pursuit of. The implication is the pursuit of the money and the pursuit of the possessions. And if that begins to outweigh our walk, if, if the pursuit becomes heavier and we, we lean in that direction, and we go after it. Well, the word tells me that when I do that, the word that I do put in gets choked out. That's remember, remember, choked is the that's the byproduct. That's what's going to happen. That word gets choked out. What does that mean? That means no growth. 
And, and this goes back to what I, what I was just saying earlier. How dangerous is it for a Christian to come to a place in their life where they don't even realize this is happening? How long do you think a person can stay in a place where they constantly hunt the money and the possessions, and that's the only thing that is important to us? Church, you can stay there a long time and never really realize that's where you're at. And think that as long as I as long as I apply God's word like a salve and put it on my sores when they hurt or apply it when things are wrong, everything's okay, right? No, it's not okay. That's not okay. Let me tell you something that the Lord shared with me the other night, and I was asking some questions, and, I'm, and I don't want to go into all the questions that I was asking him about a relationship with him and being close to him, but this was a question that he posed to me, and I'm posing the same question, and he asked me this. He said, is this a friendship or is this a marriage? And it caught me off guard, and I thought about it. And I said, well, we're not... The, the groom hasn't come back for the bride yet, though. So you could almost like it into an engagement. And if you're engaged to somebody, you've done what? You've committed yourself to them. You've committed yourself. Now, friendship, that's something totally different. But see, the, the way that the bridegroom, the church is looked at, is we are the bride. We're the bride of Christ. And who is the groom coming back for? The church. That is an intimacy beyond friendship. And you think, well, now, now Tanner, didn't the Bible say that, that Jesus called us? He calls us friend. Yeah, he calls us friend within the context of a marriage. How many of you call your spouse your friend? Okay. It's friendship within the context of marriage, though. There's an intimacy there that cannot be substituted or mistaken. And so when the Lord asked me that, I knew what he was saying. When he said, what is this, Tanner? Is this a friendship or is this a marriage? Because some people treat it and treat me like I'm just somebody passing through. Hey, old friend, I ain't really got time to talk to you right now. I got to go. Because you can get away with that with a friend, but can you get away with that in a marriage? No. Not without causing damage. Not without, not without it becoming unhealthy. There are certain things you do in a friendship that are just not capable of doing in a marriage. And a marriage demands time and attention. And, and most of all, it demands intimacy. Demands it. And so if that's absent with us in the Lord, if, if, we, if we treat the Lord like a friend, we treat like he's someone just passing through, then what happens to our relationship with him? We're trying to bait. He's looking at us, and he sees the bride. Often, his children look at him and just see somebody that's there to rub a little salve on the wound when it hurts. That's what you do with a friend. You call him up and say, I got a problem. Can I talk to you? That's what you do with a friend. But marriage... It's different. And so as the Lord challenged me, he said, you need, to, you need to understand this is a marriage. This is not just some kind of friendship. And you're treating me like everybody else. No, we choose him and him alone. 
He's the one. And that's who we've committed everything to. And so, so far be it for me to just come to him when I'm down. Well, I'm a little down today, Lord. <laughs> I, don't know what he, I don't know what he says. You know, sometimes I hear him, but maybe he looks down and he says, I haven't heard from you in three weeks. Where you been? I haven't heard from you in six months. Tom's must have got pretty tough. How do we treat him? How do we look at him? How do we how do we see him as our God? So so the riches and the pursuit of it, and looking after it, and going after it. And lastly, he said, in the pleasures, the pleasures of this life. That's and now let me tell you what the pleasures of this life are. When it, when it mentions pleasures, the connection is with your desires. With your desires. With what you want. <laughs> you, you, may, you may say, you know, I don't go out and do all that other stuff. Those other people do. It doesn't matter. If you indulge in your own pleasures on a continual basis and nothing else matters, then that's where we fit is in this category. Christianity often looks at other people and wants to look at them and say, they're the problem, they're the problem ones. It's not me. I'm here in church. I read my word. We've got to start being honest with ourselves about our condition and our spiritual health because it constantly weighs on me. The balance is between heaven and hell. And you cannot afford to get this wrong. You, you can't afford to get it incorrect. So the pleasure of this li pleasures of this life, me seeking for me, me looking for what I want to do on a continual basis. I often hear, there's, they, uh, some would say, follow your dreams. No, there's nothing wrong with having dreams. But the encouragement, follow your dreams. Go where your heart leads. No, that's, that's, not, that's not a good idea. <laughs> that's, that's not a good idea. You need to go where God leads you. You need to go where God leads you. He said, why would you say that, Tanner? There's a lot of people out there that might be watching right now that might be disappointed in that. I've taken charge of this ship often. Never leads me anywhere good. Never. My desires, in contrast to what God wants, are totally contradictory. I think, what does that mean, though? Let me explain. A lot of times, we, we're living in a society that will tell you what you need to do is listen to how you feel and follow that feeling. God will often lead you in a direction that you don't feel like going, that you never thought that you would go, and you never knew how you were going to get there. That's God. That's a God I know. I have very rarely found God lead you where you felt like you were going to go. Nope. He always finds a way in the most creative and beautiful and directive way to upset my apple cart. <laughs> Did I say that? I said that right. I hope I said that right. 
respect. I've got complete respect and adoration for the way that he does it because he makes sure that I am factored out in my feelings. Because how I feel about the situation does not matter. What matters is I bring myself to him as a living sacrifice and I say, what do you need me for? He said, well, since you asked, I've got something for you to do. And then he tells you and you say, well, that's not really what I had in mind. Well, that you asked. And that's where I need you. You see, the, the society that we live in and the teaching of, of following the way that you feel and, and following that, what makes you feel good or what might give you the best opportunity for profits is sometimes contradictory to where God wants to take you. Yeah, it's possible that God might take you somewhere where you don't have a lot of money. Nonsense. No, God wants me to prosper. You better do another evaluation on the God that you serve. God is about prosperity, but he's in prosperity in a lot of different ways other than many people think. And it has very little to do with finances and money. Very little. That's your, that's your culture. You're running through, our, running through our minds thinking that. And it says here, as he's ending these, remember these all choke out cares, riches, pleasures of life, and bring no fruit to perfection. Because what was the goal at the, at the beginning? The goal is the perfection of the fruit. That, that's always been the goal, is the, 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 fruit, the fruit that you produce as, as a Christian, that it be matured and come to perfection. That's the whole plan. As his plan for you as an individual, is to bring that fruit to perfection. The reason he has to be in control of that is because he is the grower. He's the grower of that fruit. We're, we're simply coming in and we're, we're bringing in all of our baggage and all of our stuff. And we're saying, hey, can you, can you do something with this? And he says, yeah, I can do something with that. But you cannot mature in a spiritual matter by physical things. You're never going to be able to come to a spiritual maturity in your mind and think, well, I've got it right now. I've got enough training. I've read all these books and I've done all these things and I'm trained up. You will never mature yourself. God matures you. He's the one that does it. And I'm okay. I read a lot of books. I've, I've read many books. And I've read through God's word front to back. And I've, and I've looked at God's ways and I've looked at his things but, but I'm, I'm church I'm, there's, there's just no way you can do it within you the perfection of the fruit is within God and so if that's the case then I look at everything that he's lined out here and I begin to make sure that I'm not falling in any of these categories that are taking the word away from me I want to be in the place where I receive the word well I want to get it I want to get it down in me so, verse 15. But that on the good ground are they which in an honest and good heart, having heard the word, keep it, and bring forth fruit with patience. Now, you've you got to understand that, as I said at the beginning, the maturity process is not one service. 
It's great. It's great to have a good service. It's fantastic. I hope that everybody comes into a service expecting. But the majority of your life is spent outside of the church doors. If you are relying on the church service to give you your high and to give you what you need, then you may have put too much weight on the service and not enough weight on the actual maturing process, which is simply making sure your ground is fertile and ready to take on the word. Come on, right now. We just got to be ready. Because I'm reading this Bible in the morning. I'm going to get up tomorrow morning. I'm going to open this word, and I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to look to receive. And I'm going to look to receive Friday, and I'm going to look to receive Saturday. It's not fair. And make sure I understand this, and Pastor, I think you'll understand what I mean by this. It's not fair to put all the pressure on the pastor to give you a million-dollar message to get you out of your slump. That's not fair. That's not biblical. You understand now what I mean by putting it all on the service. Now, just God, God, he comes, I've seen him sweep through here. I've seen him come through when people come expecting. Seems like I've been seeing that lately. People have been coming into worship. They're ready. That's good. Makes a good environment. Makes for good worship service. Makes for good. Have a good time. 95% of my life, though, is spent outside these doors. And I've got to learn how to walk. I've got to learn how to make my ground fertile. I've got to learn how to receive the word on my own. I've got to learn that. I've got to learn to notice in my own life when the word is being choked out, when my cares are outweighing everything else, when, when I'm in pursuit of the riches and, and, the, and the things of this world, and when the pleasures of life become more important to me than anything else. And I'm going to tell you, church, a service can't fix that. It's something that's inside of you that you've got to get it. You can't just take a service and wrap it around you like some sort of like shield or dressing. It's like, well, I went to service tonight. It was good. Yeah, it was good. But did you get it? Did you get it? Is it something you chewed on? Sunday morning, I don't know what was ministered. I wasn't here. <laughs> but did you get it? Is that something we chewed on? It's something we take home and maybe we wept about it. There's more to it. There's more to it than what many Christians have made it out to be. Now I'm going to take you to the last stanza of uh, some scriptures and then we're going, to, we're going to close. I want you to just turn over with me just a little bit. Let's go to Luke 21. Luke 21, verse 34. It says, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged, or meaning, well, actually what that means is weighed down or pressed down, that your, lest at any time your hearts be pressed down with surfeiting, Saying that correct, I think it's S U R F E I T, surfeiting, which is debauchery. Now, think about this. You think, well, what, okay, what's the next, next question? Is what is debauchery? Debauchery is excessive pleasure. That's what that is. Now, think, think about what the scripture says here because we're, we're coming into agreement with what it said in chapter 8. 
lest at any time your hearts be weighed down or overcharged with surfeiting, which is excess pleasure and drunkenness. And guess what else it says? In cares of this life. Weighed. Remember, your heart's weighed down. You got some weights inside that thing that are pulling you down, that are causing you to be distracted, that's literally taking away from you the only benefit, the only good thing in your life that actually has legitimate worth right now is God's word. Literally. Eternal. It's the only thing in your life that has eternal value. The only thing. There's nothing else that has eternal value. So you, when you start weighing that, and think about think about the warning that's being given here and what he's, he's begging us. Watch yourself. Make sure you do not fall into this. This, this, uh, this excess of drunkenness and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. What? What's he saying? He's giving a warning. He said, make sure this is not you because you don't want that day. You know what day I'm talking about? That's the, re that's the return of the Lord. For, for the believer, that's the rapture. So that that day come upon you unawares. I didn't know it was coming. Why didn't I know it was coming? It's because you were weighed down with cares. You were distracted. You had other things going on. Warning. Verse 35. For as a, a, as a snare shall it come on all them who dwell on the face of the whole earth. Watch ye therefore and pray always that you may be accounted worthy to escape all these things that shall come to pass. We're referring to the, the, the things of the last days. The things that will come upon the earth after the rapture has taken place. This is what this is talking about here. And it says, and to stand before the Son of Man. That's specific. When it says the Son of Man, you think, why is that specific? Because it's, it's Jesus who's coming back to get his church in the rapture. <laughs> And so this is very specific. This is directly pointing to the rapture moment. I'm going to be standing before the Son of the, the, the Son of God. He's going to come and He's going to come and get to church. But I want to be prepared for that. I want to be ready for that. And we've got a warning right here that helps us to understand that there are some things that we need to double check and triple check in our life. And the thing that should matter to you and me the most is the maturing process. And it's maturing that fruit that God is trying to grow on that tree of yours. And that a service doesn't just get it. It's just not, that's not the only thing that's important. It's not just a service. And for all, of, for all those that are watching at home and for everybody that's here, coming to church is essential. Being in God's house is essential. It's essential for the fellowship. It's essential for good teaching. It's essential to be able to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ. It's essential. It's very important. And so, this walk that we're in, this life that we're engaged in, there's a lot of stuff going on right now. There's a lot of things that are happening right now. So, you know, as, as we are going forward in this, who knows what will happen tomorrow? Who knows what will happen next month or next year? Who knows? I don't know. I've heard, I've had, I've heard so many predictions. I'm going out. Seems like everybody's got a prediction now. 
some good, some bad, some somewhere in between. <laughs> I said, I've never seen the such. I've never seen it. But I got to make sure that I'm ready. And I got to make sure that my life is more than just a church service. My life's got to be more than that. I got to make sure that there are things, that the things that are going on in my life are ready to receive God's word and not choke it out and not, not take it away from me. You, you want to keep everything you can get from God's word. Everything. You want to be able to put it in and stash it. Now hide the word of God in my heart that I might not sin against him. That I might not sin against him. Would you stand? tonight and and uh, for those that are watching we're just going to pray a prayer and then and, and we know you know if you are struggling with maybe some of the things that we've talked about tonight maybe uncovered some of this maybe it brought maybe helped you look at it from a different angle maybe you, there are cares pressing against you maybe we have let the enemy take from us what is rightfully ours maybe we've Maybe we've been in pursuit of things that we should not be in pursuit of. And maybe we've been hearing a knocking at our heart's door and God's been asking us, hey, I'm asking you to put that down for now. I need you to focus on prayer. I need you to focus on seeking my face. I don't think I'm the only one that's been hearing that. I've been hearing it, church. I've been hearing this knock at my door saying, hey, come and talk to me. We've got some things to talk about. Come and talk to me. Let's be prepared, church. Let's be prepared. Father, thank you tonight, Father God, Lord, for this church. And God, for the people at home. Lord, we're just so thankful, Father God, for your anointing and for your word as it goes forth. Lord, I just pray a blessing upon each one of these individuals. Lord, we just ask for your, your hand to be upon them, for your touch. Lord, I pray blessing, Lord. God, blessing in the, in the form of revelation. Father God, that we, our eyes be open. God, if there be anything in our life, God, that is choking out your word, God, whether, whatever it is, God, I pray that uh, we would be revelated to and that we would begin to make the steps to remove it out of our life. God, that we can have our fertile ground, that your seed would be planted in us, and that we would allow you to do the work that we know that you can do. And Lord, as you begin to mature us, as you begin to finish the work in our life, God, I pray that we let you have your way and not our way. Father, our ways are not your ways. Your ways are higher than our ways. And Father, I pray that we have, we have a full understanding of that tonight. Lord, I just pray for this for this entire church. I pray for our pastor and his wife, Lord. I pray healing on our sister Judy, Lord God. I pray that you touch her eyes, Lord God, and just continue to bring recovery and healing to her, Lord. And everyone else out there, Father God, Lord, that's listening right now, whether through the, the airways, Father, at home, Lord, or, or here, Lord, I pray, God, if there be anyone in need of a healing, anybody that's in need of, of your touch, Lord, I pray that blessing upon them right now. Speaking that forth collectively, God, in faith that you touch these individuals right now with your hand. And Father, we thank you for this tonight. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. God bless you tonight. You are dismissed. Have the rest of a good, good week. God bless you. Oh, mm-hmm.